Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, and what may be our most unsettling episode yet, Captain Cash attempts to eat a peach on air for hours. Mmm, yeah, I could eat a peach for hours. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Tonight, cue the slow motion, unleash the doves, and get ready to dive around like an asshole during a gunfight. Because it's 1997's bullet ballet masterpiece, Face Off. Now, before we all swap our faces and body types and voices, along with me are Captain Cash. Howdy, folks. And the other half of Caster Troy's sex sandwich, Chumpzilla. Everybody, hello, hello. Uh, tonight, we welcome back a very special guest, Mayor McCheese from our Dante's Peak Pod. How are you tonight, sir? I am fantastic. And hopefully will not disappear halfway through the pod. Mm, don't bet on it. <laughs> so, points of order. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. Captain Cash, where can they find you? You can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. And uh, now Chumzilla will not only be hanging out in your mom's basement, he'll be tweeting from there. Where can they find you? You can find me at Chumpzilla8 on just Twitter and my live journal. Excellent. And uh, tonight we are drinking what beer? We are drinking Bell's Two-Hearted. Hold on. Give me a second. And, and I thought because... This movie is bonkers, and there's no rules involved. We are going to do a shot of fireball at the 36-minute, hold on, 36-minute mark of the pod to celebrate exactly when they swap faces in Face Off. That, uh, I will drink to that. Outstanding. That sounds like about the only thing that we can do. Before we move on, I do have to say that last night I watched this with the quarantine family again and i tried to make it a drinking game which was the dumbest decision of my life because in my mind i said all right i'm gonna take a swig of scotch every time something bonkers happens and 30 minutes in i had to stop and <laughs> just get a beer because it's off the rails <laughs> what you're saying is that game would take your face off off it clearly off face off and Drinking when bonkers shit happens is not a game you play with liquor. <laughs> no, it was it it was dumb to start with. I mean, I managed to talk the whole family into watching it, and I had you know I had already poured myself a drink when this decision was made, so it was dumb. And I will advise our fan that don't do that. Uh, don't try to make this into a drinking game unless you have very tight rules, because if you make it based on the bonkers setting, you're going to just be drinking constantly until you die. And Kathy, we'd all like to see you next year at Comic-Con, so stick around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't want to see you get hurt, Kath. As far as the beer itself goes, the Two-Hearted Ale from Bells out of Comstock, Michigan, 
comes in at what is the ABV on this? Seven percent. Seven. Seven percent. So yes, not bad. Sir. Solid American IPA. And I, I I picked it. I will not lie to you, based out of pure laziness, because it is one of my top three favorite beers, and I did not want to go to the store and try to find one that linked up to face off like Dante speak and the volcano beer. Well, yeah, I will fair. say this. It is an excellent beer. It is one of my favorite IPAs. Uh, I've actually been to the the brew house in Kalamazoo, which is where Bell's started before they moved to Comstock when they were a slightly smaller independent brewery. Um, and it's definitely the best part of Kalamazoo. I will say that. And much like this movie, it has two hearts. It's named after the Two-Hearted River. So, two hearts, choice, two faces. Mayor McCheese. Excellent choice. Two hearts, two faces. Cheers. Eyes full, can't lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to combine a bunch of movies now. So, I, I just want to also add, I had never seen this movie before. Really? Are you serious? I've seen many of the other contemporary Nicolas Cage and or John Travolta vehicles, but I had never actually seen Face Off all the way through. I feel like we need to spend a little bit of time on getting your initial reaction once we get through the plot of the yeah. movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I was aware of the movie, but I'd never actually seen it. You know, I've seen The Rock. I've seen Broken Arrow. I've seen um, Con Air, obviously, but I had never seen Face Off. So this was kind of a treat for me. And Bonkers is a very apt description. Yes. Yep. There's a, there's another handful of good ways to describe it. It is John Woo being John Woo to the max. It's the it most is, John Woo. I mean, the, the amount of dubs in this movie is uh, insanity. Um, it is Travolta and um, Nicolas Cage being the best versions of themselves in awkward ways. It, I mean, it is it is purely bonkers. I feel like it's the best version of the caricatures of themselves, but otherwise yes. I agree. Yes, yes, no, yes. I will say this. I feel like what we got in this movie when you have Archer Troy, which is when John Travolta is playing uh, <laughs> Pastor Troy. This is going to be the hardest thing to do is to describe. This is, this is going to be the toughest podcast to get through because you're describing yep. characters that are playing opposite characters so, yeah so so when john travolta is trying to play nicholas cage being him um it's i feel like you get proto charlie wax well this movie's predictive of like the next 20 years of each of their careers where it's just like a, a just insane game of one-upsmanship on who can be a more batshit crazy in a movie but oddly in different ways anyway oh yeah we'll get for into sure it, but yeah, moving on. Yeah. Get us back on the rails. All right, so back on track indeed. This movie is starring Nicholas I Excel at Insane Cage as Caster Troy slash Sean Archer. Uh, John Ridiculous Chin Travolta as Sean Archer slash Caster Troy. Uh, Joan, I'm quite a bore in this movie, Alan, as Eve Archer. Alessandro Toxic Masculinity Navallo as Pollux Archer. Gina Naked Tag Gershon as Sasha Hassler. Tommy Mr. Chips Flanagan. Uh, if you're a Sons of Anarchy fan, Mr. Chips, he's very young in this movie. It's hard to recognize him, but that's him. And several greatly offended Peaches. Uh, special shout out also to Steve Carey, John Carroll Lynch as the evil prison guard. 
TJ, Thomas Jane, makes a big return to the pod. TJ! Welcome back, uh, Tommy. Good to see you. Woo woo! And Matt Ross is FBI Agent Loomis. He, of course, is Raji in PCU, a member of the Pitt Band. So Face Off was directed by John Wu. He's a huge action director in China. And At he, his wooiest. Yes, and he had come to America and done a series of films. This was the first one that he had, apparently full creative control. And you kind of see why they reined him in on some other movies. Boy, does it show <laughs> control. It's uh, like, if you were to give an example of three things you knew about John Woo, all three of those things show up at least once, probably twice in this film. Well, and they're, they're also taken to 11 on yes. the amplifier. Yes. Like, like well, I mean, we'll just we'll talk about it now. We'll reference the doves. The doves were at eleven in this movie. There's even <laughs> pigeons that show up because apparently they ran out of doves. <laughs> and and you got you got the dual wielding pistols. You know, you got the... uh, yes. John Woo loves have... spinning and shooting, jumping and shooting. <laughs> I have a lot of comments about the gunfighting. We'll, we'll save for later. But yes. yeah, it, it it is the most John Woo movie that John Woo could have ever made. He loves weird close-ups. He loves slow motion smoking. All these things happen with regularity throughout the movie. So we do have to say this, because Face Off was neither a bomb, nor was it poorly reviewed. Face Off was a huge hit. It's the 11th highest grossing movie of 1997. And this may shock many of you. Uh, it's a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes with 89 reviews. So This motherfucking movie had a roller coaster named after it. A yeah. fucking roller coaster. Yeah. Where? Kings Island in Cincinnati. I will say this about the movie. Uh, it had a time and a place in the late 90s. It was very late 90s. It was stylistic. It was well-received. I mean, it's kind of an artifact of the time, and I think it's fondly remembered for it. It doesn't really hold up like a true classic, but I think, again, it's an artifact of its time. Well, well and, the and, and, and hold, it's a hold that it's, thought, because I do want to get there yeah. once we go through the plot, because there's an article that came out a couple of years ago on this movie's 20th anniversary, and it talks a lot about what this movie's doing and what it's like and how it's different than today's action movies. Yeah. And I, to Mary Cheese's point, it is a lot of that, stuff turned up to 11. Like, you were right. Well, That's it, thing. It's, it's not just those elements that stick. But it's that the fact that they're they're just over the top that makes it so memorable. So go ahead, McCheese. Sorry. Well, I will say that it literally came out at the perfect time. If this movie would have came out at any other time, it probably would have got scoffed at. But it came out at the perfect time in the '90s where people are like, "This is the shit. I want to see this. I want to see this ridiculousness. Let's go." And That's a good point. Also, Travolta was not an internet punching bag yet, and neither was Nicolas nope. Cage. Nicholas Cage nope. was the most bankable movie star on the face of the earth, and this is right in the middle of that. There's Leaving Las Vegas, he wins Best Actor. There's The Rock. There's this. There's Con Air. He was a big, big star. He was a great dramatic actor, and all of a sudden he was in all these giant action movies. He's still a big star in my heart. No, I love Nicholas Cage, and he's still a very good actor. And the, the craziest thing about that, in, in all those movies you just listed, this is the one that, and again, we circle back to what I said earlier, this is the one that's the most bonkers. The rest of those, he's somewhat normal. In this, it's just off the rails. 
I want to talk about this because he makes some great choices, and we're like, let's not do it now. But I really enjoyed his performance here. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that The Rock, he played relatively straight, and he's pretty cheesy in Con Air, but that's he's sort of fucking character. Accent. He's not good in Con Air. It's, but, Let's just but be he's not. But he's not. <laughs> that accent but he's not is crazy. terrible. Yeah, yeah, but he's not crazy. He, he's trying to be a serious actor, but in this one, holy shit, he's just freaking balls to the walls for for two hours. Yeah, this movie's fifty percent of the reason. Like people, like every meme you see with him making a crazy face, most of them are from this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Please this, check this our social movie, media where we all attempt to make that face. Yeah. This is the movie that launched a thousand memes. Because, yeah. yeah, his facial expressions in this thing are just crazy. And and I haven't actually put this on a timeline of his career, but this is not his unraveling, is it? This is not where Nicolas Cage no. becomes, like, no. the crazy Nicolas Cage, right? No, Nicolas Cage was still... He's, he was crazy the whole fairly time. Fairly legit. Vampire's Kiss. Until the... Yeah, he's always been a pretty eccentric guy, but I think it's sometime in the early 2000s that he begins to have money problems, and that's when he starts taking any project he can get his hands on because... You know, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, you can't blame him for that. I was just asking the question because I, I, I thoroughly enjoy this movie well, just because of how crazy it is. Uh, let me take a quick aside here to say that not everybody can be Daniel Day-Lewis. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I, I don't fault Nick Cage for, for taking the paychecks. What else was he going to do? He's, he was never going to be that guy. I'm gonna, we're going to get to the plot real quick. But when I say this was a hit, this made $245 million worldwide, and it only cost eighty. Uh, you'd be surprised it only cost eighty because John Woo apparently decided he could blow as much shit up as he as he could get his hands on. The nineties were a lawless, lawless fucking time, and I want you to remember this made a quarter of a billion dollars in nineteen ninety seven. Someone do the math for me on what that is in twenty twenty dollars, please. Well, not just for inflation, but the Chinese market is so much bigger now. This movie's probably a billion dollar movie. It would have killed. Yeah. And here's the thing: out of that eighty million, how much of that was going to Travolta and Cage? All that's, of it. That's a good point. That's probably <laughs> thirty million. And, and I don't mean this in a bad way because whatever they didn't spend on Cage, Travolta, not Alicia Silverstone, and Joe Bob Briggs, you definitely see on the screen. Like this movie does not look cheap. We chatted about it earlier, but a lot of the actual action scenes in this were real. They really destroyed that plane. They really destroyed those boats. And yes. for some for some reason, and I'll discuss it later, John Woo has some weird uh, love for, I would say, fireworks. So everything that happens, there's just giant sparkler-type fireworks going. Yeah. Yes, showers of sparks going off constantly everywhere during every action scene for no real reason. So they, I mean, they spent the money in a good way to make you the see, movie. You see it on the screen, and this will get us moving forward to the plot. I think here. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll just say we'll, we'll talk about this plane scene that opens the movie. That's a real plane. They really crashed it. That was a one take shot because they only got one shot at it because they really destroyed the plane. That was it. They shot that from 15 different cameras to make sure they got what they needed because it was a one-off. They had one chance to get it, and they nailed it. Yep. They they do not make movies like this anymore because 
so much of it would have been CGI. Uh, yes. It's the late 90s. That wasn't a thing. Uh, yeah, so let's. we are going to tackle the plot now. But before we do that, how would you describe this film in one sentence? We can start with our special guest, Mary McCheese. Uh, I have to find my quote. So I'm going to quote. This isn't really a description. This is me quoting RDJ from Tropic Thunder. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Okay. Captain Cash. John Travolta and Nick Cage star in John Woo's action-packed reimagining of Freaky Friday. And uh, Chumzilla. I'm going to say this movie is John Woo! Fair yes. enough. Uh, I don't think I can top any of those, but this thing is just a smorgasbord of overacting, hammy brilliance by both John Travolta and Nicolas Cage playing the same role. When, when Nicolas Cage is Caster Troy, he's the best part of the movie. When John Travolta is Caster Troy, he's the best part of the movie. Yes. I'm not sure. It... No, that's a hard agree there, Chumpzilla. I can't actually agree. I really enjoy Nicolas Cage as the conflicted, possibly insane, John Archer inside the face of the person he most hates. I agree that is a good angle uh, there, Chumpzilla, but I don't find it nearly as enjoyable as John Travolta being hammy as fuck. Here's so what I will say. Anyway. Fair. Uh, Nicholas Cage is, is a solid, better Sean Archer than John Travolta is. Like, he's he's much better in that role. Like, when Travolta's the straight man, he's terrible in this movie. Yes. He's but, boring. When, but Cage well, is good point, as the though. straight man and the wild man. because that's the, that's the point, though. I think that's the point. Uh, he he's it, it wasn't a strong performance from him. No, to Chumpzilla's point, I think that that uh, you watch Travolta be a dud as himself as as Sean Archer, and then you have to watch him struggle to be Caster Troy. I think that's the dynamic. Whereas Caster Troy is comfortable doing whatever because that's how he rolls, and that's that's the the dichotomy there that they're trying to to give us. Really, what it is is we all. S- enjoy thoroughly having two Nick Cages on the screen at the same time playing two different characters. Yeah. We, we, we want, we want two caster Troys and zero Sean Archers. Given the choice, this should have been the, the prequel to adaptation and we should have just had two Nick Cages. <laughs> I, wait, I thought this was the prequel to being John Malkovich. I thought this was just being Nick Cage. No, now they don't go in his head enough. We really need to take the journey if we're going to be Nick Cage. The actual description of the movie, according to IMDb, in order to foil a terrorist plot, an FBI agent undergoes facial transplant surgery and assumes the identity of a criminal mastermind who murdered his son. The plan turns sour when the criminal wakes up prematurely and seeks revenge. Yes, that's the gist of it. That skips all the awesome, crazy shit that happens. So let's get into it. A carousel. Sean Archer and his son are enjoying the day. Unbeknownst to them, Caster Troy sits atop a hill, waiting to kill Archer. With his absurd mustache adorned, he takes the shot. Archer and his son lie dead. <laughs> yes. Okay. Quick question, since we're going to do a lot of questions this movie. What, why? Why with the mustache? And why is he drinking a milkshake while he's about to sniper somebody? Yep. No idea. I, I actually have this. <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. Apparently, Nicolas Cage was a tremendous fan of John Woo fans and Chow Yun-Fat, 
the yep. mustache uh, was from a previous John Woo film where Chow Young Fat had that mustache. Hard That's boiled? In, was it hard boiled? I don't, uh, I don't he doesn't have hard a mustache boiled. and hard boiled. Regardless. Yes, yeah, yeah, Chow Young Fat so reference. So yeah. is, it the, because, is because, it the same mustache? Because, <laughs> no, Nicholas, Nicholas Cage the is The same given, prosthetic. Uh, Cage was given freedom and makeup for that. So Wu said, whatever you want to do for this Nick, go crazy. He's like, uh, I want to do a mustache like uh, Chow Young Fat. So he did. Okay, well, and also I'm going to stop by Steak and Shake on my way into the shoot. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the mustache steak and shake looked, was big in the '90s. The mustache the looked terrible. Anyway, here's the thing about the mustache: it didn't look real. Granted, but that's not my biggest problem with it. My biggest issue with the mustache is that it seems wholly out of the character of Castor Troy because you can't eat a peach cleanly with a mustache getting in the way. That's just asking for trouble. I, I feel like that's the point. He would want to eat it dirty. Okay. Well, and, and like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into the peach comments cause they're going to be prolific for this entire thing. <laughs> but what, why is the, why was it necessary to have the hard zoom on the mustache and it's, the milkshake as we got our introduction to Castor Truck? It is one of many questionable hard zooms. <laughs> it is probably the most questionable hard zoom. I, it, it boggles the mind. Mary McCheese, Thunderous Wizard, you're telling me you didn't find that strangely erotic? <laughs> no, no. Of all the strangely no. erotic things in this movie, no. The most, the that most wasn't it? Wasn't it. Okay, well, fair enough. So, Chumzilla, what I mean, say you? Since, well, since we're, in a, since we're in a role-swapping phase, Captain Cash, are you into child murder? <laughs> I mean... Just as much as the next guy, I suppose. <laughs> and for the record, I as Chumpzilla find all mustaches supremely erotic. That's really on brand for you, yes. Uh, flash forward six years. Archer is now a man broken. He survived. His son did not. Uh, and Troy, who's dressed like a priest, is arming a bomb in the L.A. Convention Center. Oh, and, and I'm I'm sorry. I should have done this before. But I have to circle back. It, was it ever explained to us who um, Sean Archer actually worked for and why Castor Troy wanted to kill him? He's an FBI agent in an ultra-secret counterterrorism unit. Did they explain that somewhere? Because I missed it. I At think I missed it. At one point, he screams like, maybe if we weren't so secret, people would know who we are. No, I remember that. I remember yeah. him screaming that, but we never get an answer of like, why is Caster Troy trying to murder Sean Archer? And and he's okay with murdering his son. And in that scene, like when he realizes that he killed the son, there actually is like a second. There's a small second if you pay attention where um, he looks like he actually is you know kind of disheartened that he did the thing. Yeah, he actually well killed the kid. Let's be clear here for folks that haven't seen the movie, which up until yesterday would include myself. Um, he's not actually trying to murder Sean Archer's son. He's trying no, to assassinate no, 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 no. Sean Archer. They happen to be at the park together. And when he fires no, we, the I, shot I, I, from I, I, his I, I, sniper I, rifle, it, it goes through Sean Archer. It goes through John Travolta's chest. It's a killing his through. son that we don't see. We don't see that part, but we find out that, yes, his son was, was killed in that. We so don't think yeah. they, they see give us part. somewhat of a gory discretion yeah. shot. You don't yeah. see which, the which is cool. Dead. Even though it's a hard R movie, they don't they don't show us a, a killed uh, child. But, yeah, I think it is it's implied and you sort of quickly understand that, yes, uh, Sean Archer is some sort of federal 
law enforcement authority. Yeah, I just, I just counterterrorism beat. But you're right; it's not explicit. There's not a lot of exposition there to explain it. No, it it is it, the whole it's just, movie. It, it's implied. The whole movie begins in such a John Woo um, way, where it's a lot of like soft focus images and music, and then action. <laughs> And we never really get explained of why these two are trying to murder each other. And then we kind of, you know, you you sort of figure it out when you get to the six years later point. But you never know that, you know, Sean Archer may work for the FBI and that Caster Troy's mad at him for something. They don't actually tell you that. Yeah, they don't give you much history. They don't they don't give you any backstory like, oh, they have a long past. If you think about it, it's not necessary for a John Woo movie. We're not here for no. that in a John Woo movie. We're here for we're here for the guns. We're here it, for the the jumping and the shooting. I am here for the dubs, motherfucker. Let me yeah. see those dubs fly. And and the tumbling gunplay. That was a long sidebar. Yeah, moving on. Yes, I'm finding it odd how much thought you two have put into this part of the movie when literally there is zero character development throughout the entire movie. There's a good guy. There's a bad no. guy. That is the no, movie. No, no, no. This movie is Not shallow Not Alicia Silverstone has hell. character development. It's a shallow movie. It's all about the action. These two people exist. They're flat characters. They're 2D characters. There's nothing three-dimensional about them. That's not correct because the character of Sean Archer does develop. I don't, I don't think Caster Troy does. And I don't think really any of the other characters do, with the very weird exception of the daughter, not Alicia Silverstone, as Captain Cash had said. I uh, think I think I think Gina Gershon might sort of. She's an idiot, and we'll get to that. She's right, part of okay. the dumbest part of this movie. You mean not Eva Mendez? Anyway, I yes. really feel like it's not Eva Mendez. All right, let's go. Are you fucking both? Of you kidding me? Gina Gershon, bound. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Showgirls. Come on. Showgirls. I'm not Eva Mendez. Gina yeah, Gershon showgirls. was a thing before Eva Mendez knew she was ever going to be a thing. I'm just I saying. Agree. Shame I, on I, both I'm of a, you. I'm, a, but only, I'm agreeing I'll, with the Thunderous Wizard. I, only, I had a crush even, on Gina Gershon before Eva Mendez was even But only, but only on Eva Mendez is banging uh, Goslin, so. Well, she's not banging him because that person doesn't exist. <laughs> I just know that Eva Mendes. Gosling. God, God, whatever. The notebook. She's banging the notebook. Okay. Anyways, the pre-scene where he arms the bomb, the LA Convention Center, this is really the scene that lets you know you will not be the same from this point on. Nothing is the same. Nothing matters in this world. Nicholas Cage is headbanging and committing a statutory offense. And no one seems to care. No one. Nobody at all. It's in a church choir. Nobody cares. It was the 90s, and he was dressed as a priest, so... There's a shitload of people there, too, no? And someone's going to see him grope that poor kid. Also, he's an international terrorist. He didn't cover his face. There's no mustache in this scene. He's just Castor Troy in a smock. Well, it's also not Pluto Nash, so there's not a biometric surveillance state. So... Again... Late 90s, lawless as shit. Uh, Troy, Troy prepares to make his getaway. This is when we meet his really creepy and off-putting brother, Pollock, <laughs> who carries around a tray of drugs, and we discover that not only does Caster Troy love drugs and guns, he loves chiclets. It, there's, there's very clearly where 
Pollux, Troy, the brother, he's somewhere on the spectrum. That's implied, right? <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't act like that. He just acts like he's like a sex predator. He's just yeah, so, weird in not a good way. Apparently, the actor that played Pollux based his character on Robert Crumb, the uh, counterculture cartoonist's brother. He watched some documentary about Robert Crumb, and they interviewed his brother, and his brother was kind of, I guess, a little bit of a weirdo and off and had some of those mannerisms. So he said, hey, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the weird brother. That wasn't in the script. So Archer gets a tip about Troy's whereabouts. They corner him at the airport. And I have a question for the panel here because this is a very serious question. It's at this point, right, you just have to ask this. If Nicolas Cage asked you to suck his tongue, would you be grateful? Would I be grateful that he thought of me well enough that he'd like me to suck his tongue? (laughs) Or would I be grateful for sucking his tongue? Because those are two different answers. Just another character. Captain Cash says yes. My wife wanted me to point out that the tan suit that that woman was wearing, the FBI agent who was also a flight attendant, was awful. <laughs> and then... That doesn't answer is, the question. Answer yeah, the question. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not answering the question. The, because I have so many more questions to parlay off of just the tan suit. So she gets thrown out of the plane and presumably run over. And then for oh, the no, rest of the she movie, literally gets, she gets run over and shot. In the well, back. well, I mean, well, okay, sorry, run over and dumped, run over multiple times. But then presumably for the rest of the movie, we get this peach reference. I can eat a peach for an hour. I can eat a peach, blah, blah, blah. Was she wearing a wire yes, that didn't get was... destroyed or it was yes. Castro Troy super into peaches and they already knew it. And they were like. We got to get him saying this. No, she wired. was she was wired, and they were getting that. They were recording that on a separate. Location. And getting run over by a plane doesn't destroy that wire. Well, no, because it already recorded. Wire feeds a recording offsite. They tape it in in 1997. Yes. It could have been a radio transmitter, but no. Here's my real question about that whole scene: when Castor shows up, and he talks to his brother and his brother's like, yeah, I paid for the plane, which is how Sean Archer finds him. And he's like, brother, that's what the, that's what the, the guys are for. So like, I'm just saying like at that point, like, he if, recognizes that they're burned. They fucked up. Right. So if that's Jet Lee from lethal weapon Four, brother's neck is snapped right there. No, he like, wouldn't kill his brother. You saw his brother in lethal weapon Four. he was a worthless clown. Yeah, but but it, but if you if you give up your cover, you're done for. He suffers no fools, and I, that's what I was really surprised by that Castro Troy didn't just be like, "This is fucked, fuck you," and I'm out of here. I don't think you can have him kill a kid and then kill a guy on the spectrum in the same movie. I mean, you can, but okay, it's no, just I that's mean... like he's supposed to watch out for his little brother. His little brother's prone to make mistakes. That's a single humanizing element. Yeah. Like, well, no, he, he actually humanizes himself throughout the movie, which is interesting because one thing I'll comment on later is the moral codes in this thing are weird and amorphous. <laughs> they but, are something. Um, let's, yeah, let's, uh, let's keep moving on here. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, the one thing I didn't point out earlier is that, so if I'm reading it correctly, since I watched it last night, he sets the timer on the bomb for 264 hours 
Which also is pretty stupid. Why not set it for five hours or 45 well, minutes? Which is <laughs> 11 days, which, I mean, I'm, I'm no terrorist. I don't know why you want to give a bomb 11 days to stew. Um, but they also, in the research I was doing, they interviewed someone to ask them why they set the bomb length. And he said it was literally, they set it for the purposes of the plot of getting everything done to disarm the bomb in time. Yeah. Well, so in the movie, the, the, the story is they want the bomb to go off when there's some Supreme court justices there. Yeah. Okay. Because, uh, they're doing this on the behalf of some right wing nut job, domestic terrorist group. Um, but yes, the guys that like worked on the movie made the joke that this was the longest delayed bomb timer <laughs> in movie history because it lasted just as long as the plot required. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like six days in the end or whatever. But yeah, so moving on, moving on. The answer to all of this is because the plot required it. Because without it, there wouldn't be a movie. Don't look further than that. Yep. Yeah. Let's just put it this way. The lady suit was horrific. She's clearly a fed. She sold herself out by wearing that stupid suit. Man, letting him suck her tongue that fast. Yeah, that, I mean, oh, you already she really went, she, you would have went all in. I, I would have been she really scared. went in for that makeout session like two seconds after he asked the question. Yeah, that, that was way too fast. Like that, that was red flag right there. Okay, so gunfight ensues, which includes no shortage of jumping and shooting, people not reloading, which I have a question about later, Cage doing incredible Cage stuff. A clear wire snafu where a guy gets shot with a shotgun and you can see the wires pulling him back into the wall. That happens twice in the movie. Uh, Pollock's getting arrested and Troy seemingly dying after he gets propelled down a wind tunnel by a jet engine. How cool was that scene, though? That was good. All the action scenes are great. I have a real quick one and I mean, I'll be done with it the second I'm over. No gun in history makes the noises that the guns in this movie make. Like when I was watching it with my family, we would literally just go and pew 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 because it is actually more honest than whatever they were doing. And that is why this film did not win an Oscar for best sound editing, like <laughs> The Ghost in the Darkness. Well, it, this, it was it, it was nominated. It was nominated. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. But guns change sounds. <laughs> the same gun changes sounds multiple times. It goes from being a pistol to like a semi-automatic. To an anti-aircraft gun. Yeah, it happens a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, the gun play in this movie is questionable. But I will say this. This is one of the few scenes, if not the only one in the movie, where you actually see somebody drop a clip and reload. There is some reloading in the airplane slash airport scene. I don't know if you see that the rest of the movie. I don't think you you, you, you also see a non-realistic ear getting blown off just because we need it in 20 minutes from now. Because if you get shot in the ear, your entire ear is not going to get blown off. Says you. What do you know? You've never been in a gunfight at LAX. Hey, hey, I saw a guy get his ear ripped off one time on a rugby sled. It looked pretty gruesome. So now all that guy happens. was my TA. All this happens. None of it, however, solves the central dilemma. There's a bomb in L.A. They have several more days to find, but they have no way of finding it unless now they can coax it out of Pollux. They think Castor's dead. He wouldn't tell them anyway. Pollux is in custody. The Creeper won't talk, but there is one idea that may work. Archer can swap faces with Troy and be sent to prison with Pollux, 
and he can get the information out of him there. Now, hold all on. right, this is our this is our thirty six minute mark. So okay. we're all do, we're all doing a shot of fireball because that is the bonkers way to respond to this movie. Gentlemen, gentlemen, it is now time to take our faces off, 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 off. Cheers, no, cheers. No more booze for those men. Now, this is a good moment as well because this is another other than for plot reasons moment. Because Travolta agrees to have this surgery. And the only people that know about it are CCH Pounder, don't know her character name, who tells him about the surgery, the doctor, and his partner. Why on earth do only three people know about this? You would think... It, it, nobody's going to... There's no way Pollux finds out about it. If everyone knows... Here's, I, have two bi- I have two major... Hold on. I have two major issues with this movie, and this is the first one. Okay. But is that they have no contingency plan for this. There's no one else. There's no fail safe alerted to, by the way, we're sending in our dude. And like, so like Archer is now Troy, like just FYI, in case shit goes sideways, someone should have been their contingency like plan person. I, that, that blows my mind because this is a bunch of tactical, smart people. The fact that they just kind of, Leave that entirely too small of a circle is a major problem. So, me cheese. The biggest question, I mean, there's a ton and they all play into what you just said. But the biggest question on my list is, so we have this super secret government, um, let's call it medical facility. Um, and there's there's no protection. Like, they okay, they do, they do the swap and then they just leave caster troy's body like no one pays attention they just all assume he's in a coma there's not a nurse there's not a guard there's no one who's like oh hey you should keep an eye on this guy third third issue i now have with the movie because i didn't think about this before well yeah why wasn't that coma medically induced also yes seems pretty silly in retrospect okay anyway because if not there's not a movie that's I, the answer yes. 100% no. of the time. So, yeah. We're, we're moving on. There's nothing smart about this plot. These are, no, that's, yeah. They have extensive facial and, bro- and bone structure surgery, and he recovers in three and a half hours. So, Archer now is Troy, so he becomes uh, Archer Troy, heads to the prison, which oddly. Oddly enough, has magnetic floors, and if you recognize those boots, you do for a reason because they are the shoes from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Now, there's a lot of weird crap in this movie. The prison having magnetic floors is one of the things that I just, I it baffles me. I don't understand why it's necessary at all. There's nothing Pointless. else futuristic in the movie whatsoever. Pointless. Like, I just don't get it. McCheese. I, I, I... I, I will chime in here because I read it somewhere online that they actually picked the name of the prison, Airwall, as a, um, I don't know what the word is, but it's essentially nowhere with the letters jumbled up. No, it, it's just it's just nowhere backwards. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Oh, no. That, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So essentially Pollux is serving time in Nilbog. Uh, so <laughs> Archer Troy shows up. Pollock spills the beans. It's too late, though, because Troy, faceless and just doing some incredible Nicolas Cage shit, has awoken, and he forces the doctor to give him Archer's face. So now we have Troy Archer. 
Now he comes to the prison as Troy Archer. This is where Travolta just takes over the movie. He's really yes. fucking good from this point on. He bails Pollux out, decides, hey, I'm going to be a hero. I'll disarm the bomb. We'll have the power of the government at our disposal. We'll have protection for life. Now he does all this as Archer Troy is going to be rotting away in prison. This is also where I was going to recommend my second shot of Fireball when they, they finally meet in the, the cellar of that prison. I will Fireball to that. Fireball! Honestly. I'll do a shot to Joe Bob Briggs, who also makes appearance in the jailbreak scene. Ar- and Thomas Joe Bob. Jane. Thomas Jane. TJ! Archer Troy TJ. is living Sean Archer's absolute best life. I think a shot is in order. He's having way more fun in Archer's life than Archer ever did. Yeah. My only frustration with the whole Archer, Troy, Troy is Archer is when you get Nicolas Cage without his face, we only actually see that in the reflection of the doctor's glasses. This is a hard R film. I would like to have seen that prosthetic. Uh, to Chumpzilla's point, we do get shortchanged on the uh, faceless Nick Cage shot because Nick Cage was actually very squeamish about the uh, faceless makeup and wasn't comfortable seeing it himself. So not only do we get an abbreviated shot in the movie, John Wu removed all reflective surfaces from the set to shoot those scenes so Nick Cage didn't have to catch a glimpse of himself. Which, again, for a hard R movie, I feel like we got shortchanged there. And yet it's kind of perfect, given the character that Nick Cage then has to play, of someone who cannot stand to see his own face. My God, there are levels to this thing. Now we know everything's at stake. Archer Troy's like, I gotta get the hell out of here. And he decides to make a plan. He's gonna enlist the, the aid of Dubov, who's this guy that he apparently slept with his sister and wife, their kinship makes zero sense because it's like, hey, sandwich, I, d- baby. I didn't do that. And he's like, okay, let's murder a bunch of people together. Now, when you're talking about shift- shifting moral codes, this scene is a great example of it. Because at all times in this movie, there's just an little regard to, for human life. There's no regard whatsoever. In fact, in this scene, Archer Troy throws a glass jar of sulfuric acid at two guards blows it up killing them both and then later it's like hey don't shoot them it's like you just put acid on two people so for what it's worth i do feel like care was taken to ensure that sean archer never explicitly murders someone he shoots them in the foot if you get shot with sulfuric acid people it i uh, yeah, he kills Does people. He? Yes, he kills multiple people because he has to because they're sh- like they're gonna get him, but he kills people. Yeah. Now there are scenes where later it shows him specifically knocking somebody out that he knows or whatever. He kills a lot of freaking people. A lot there of people. There are some discretion with. shots to to Chumpzilla's point. There are some people discretion he shots. probably had barbecues with. So he escapes. He's out, he hooks up with some of the actual Castro Troy's old crew and does some drugs. And this is where he really does some like, I'm trying to be Nicolas Cage, but I'm not supposed to be Nicolas Cage faces. No, this is the best part because you get to see Nicolas Cage realize he has to out Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage. And it's amazing. It is. He is going for it. 
This is the truest. This is the truest mirror Nicolas Cage has ever shown. This is where he goes. Okay, y'all think you understand what the Cage character I've created over the course of the last fifteen years has been. That's Here's when he how goes, far I can take it. That's when he goes full Coppola. Full. Coppola. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Chumpzilla because when like if you if you watch these scenes. Like you just see Nicolas Cage, like he's acting to not be him, to be him, to not be him, to be him, which is not confusing. But if you like look at it as a step back, it's fantastic to watch. Where he's like, oh, huh, oh, huh. No, yes. you see the conflict. You see the conflict. It's an amazing Orboros, the snake eating itself. But it's not I mean, I, I, I guess I, I guess my it's overall review is it's fantastic, and I will yeah. I will agree that it's great acting on Nicolas Cage's part. It, I agree. It is. I think I think Nicolas Cage has the strongest performance because he's better as both characters, and that moment is part of that. Now, as this is going on, as he's like having this freak out because he's on acid or whatever the hell the guy gave him. Pollux has been spying on the old gang. Basically, like, hey, if he shows up, call me. That's what he does. Troy Archer is alerted. He shows up with the entire power of the FBI. And our second tremendous gunfight of the movie ensues. And again, no regard for human life. Lots of jumping. uh, Lots of rolling and shooting. Zero reloading. And it all culminates with them, like, literally having another face-off except they're looking at the mirror of themselves so it's archer troy looking at what would be caster troy and it's troy archer looking at what would be sean archer so how they don't kill each other there i have no idea now the second great shootout of the movie of course culminates with pollux troy dying as he ascends a scaffold to try and stop <laughs> a man in full motion who is swinging from building to building what was Pollux doing? Somebody please try and elaborate on this. I don't care if any of you can. This was idiotic. I got nothing. I'm going to go with nothing. It, it looked cool. It did look cool. I'll give you that. It yep. was the 90s? Those are all the correct answers. It's like Captain Cash is 100% right here. Thank you, Chumzilla. It's like John Wu was watching an American Gladiators marathon. He's like, oh, that cannonball event. I like that. Let's put that in the movie. There could also be a thing where we've gotten to this far in the movie where most people hate Pollux because he's a dick. So they kind of want to see him die. That's fair. Yes, Pollux does suck. He's not missed at all because really he doesn't contribute all that much to the movie. And I missed him. This bloodbath leads Victor Lazaro, Harv Presnell, who is Travolta's boss. We did not mention him in the cast earlier because he really doesn't get a lot of screen time. He tells... Troy Archer, like, hey, I've got you on watch. Like, you can't just go around shooting things up, blah, blah, blah. And while he's screaming at him, he begins to have a heart attack. And to ensure that he does have a heart attack, (laughs) Troy Archer, who hasn't really been that adept at fisticuffs yet, suddenly karate chops him in the back of the neck and the front of the neck and kills him. No, and there's a chest slap. Yes. Yes. Oh, his heart's gone. It was like a fucking kumite. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm no expert, but 
Will that kill you? I mean, just as a general question. I mean, if someone is having like heart troubles and you punch them in the chest, is that is that lights out? In a John Woo movie? Yes. Well, oh yeah, in a, in a John Woo movie, yes. I mean, in real, I was asking more in real life. Harry Houdini got killed by a punch, so it ruptured one of his organs. So. You never know. Also, I guess it was all... like 1900. I really appreciate his boss mentioning that, like, he's getting too close. I'm like, where are you getting this information? It's like, that's a really good question because he's like way too on top of this at this point. He's starting to get close to the fact like, hey, you you know too much. Like, where's this info coming from? And then he has his heart attack. Also, I thought that was pretty slick. I like that. That was that was clever and I enjoyed it. You weren't a bomb tactician and yet you <laughs> disarmed this incredibly technical bomb. So when Victor Lazaro dies, it basically sets up evil Troy Archer to become the head of the FBI. And the only way to stop him is to kill him at Victor Lazaro's funeral. Now, the wife, Eve, who'd been suspicious because her husband, Sean Archer, was never the bomb in bed like he is now and was never super romantic and never read her diary. (laughs) But he has been. So when she meets Nicolas Cage or Archer Troy, she's inclined to believe, oh, maybe this is my husband. And this is literally the dumbest thing he's ever agreed to do. She tells him, you got to be there. He says, make sure the daughter's not there, okay? Because we're going to have a shootout for the ages. There's going to be way more birds this time, way more jumping, and way more of people not reloading. And that is what happens. It is incredible. It is, in, by my estimation, the best part of the movie, but I do have several questions about it. The explanation that Eve Archer gives for the absence of her daughter is incredible. She's not coming to her own brother's like memorial service. You think she gives a fuck about your boss? Yeah. yeah. Well done. So fun facts. We skipped over this. There's a whole blood test angle here. So Sean Archer is O negative and Castro Troy donor donor and, and Castro Troy is a B the, the universal, universal receiver. You got a giver and a taker. Whoa. Oh, God. Moving on. Why did they put more thought into that stuff than they did into just about anything else involving these characters? John Woo to a T. This symbolic. The wife's name is Eve. Uh, Not even Mendez's kid is Adam. Okay. So this church scene, there's a few questions. One, where in the hell does the guy that was driving the daughter around come from? Because as they're panning around, he's just there. Uber. He like did he crawl in the window or? Uber. Yeah, he's an Uber. He's an Uber. Uber. I, FBI Uber. Makes no sense. He Moving parks on. and then he's in the church, in a place which is not conceivable to be had he not jumped through the window. Apparently, uh, why on earth does it take this long for the vocal chip to finally malfunction? Even though he's been in fights and shootouts throughout the movie. And they tell him, like, if you're even, like, kind of flicked, this thing could stop working. Yeah, that shit should have broken the prison. Yes. I Why did you not immediately flick the shit out of the thing when you were talking to your wife on the phone? Like, if you just punch yourself. I also in the agree front. with that. Yeah. And paper, lastly, paper thing. is Gina Gershon in love with Archer Troy? Or is she just that dumb? Because when she walks in, 
they're basically talking about all the terrible thing Caster Troy did to Sean Archer, and it's coming from the opposite people. She takes no notice of any of this and still sides with Nicolas Cage. She is an idiot. No, she doesn't know who Eve is, so she's just going with what she knows. You killed my son. I didn't mean to kill your son. <laughs> she is a total nimrod. This, this movie ends in a similar fashion to Pluto Nash. You've got the old Mexican standoff with, like, shoot him. No, shoot him. With the twins. It, that yeah. does happen. Uh, they shoot the wrong guy this time. Yeah, I think the movie. I think the movie should have ended with an extended Mexican standoff. I feel like the whole boat scene jumped the shark. No, that's my opinion. The boat scene is incredible, but I do have a question about it. Is that boat scene the most egregious use of stunt doubling ever put to film? No, it is not even the most egregious example of John Travolta stunt work put to film. Thankfully, we have from Paris with Love for that. So yeah, Catherine Cash is a hundred percent on this. Thank you, Chumzilla. You're welcome. My big issue with the stunt doubling is it's so flagrant that when they're both like flying off the boat, you can't tell which character is supposed to be which. No, you cannot. Neither stunt double dudes in dark suits anything like the actor they're supposed to be portraying. That's why I think the movie should have ended with a gunfight in the chapel, coming from that Mexican standoff. That would have been the best end of this movie. The boat chased me again, jumps the shark. Somebody, tell me I'm wrong here. I love the boat chase. And really? when we get to the, my to the favorite action scene, I can just tell you right now, it's my favorite action scene in the movie. I think it's incredible. Okay. Well, uh, fair enough, fair enough. At the point at which they are skiing on their shoes, <laughs> it's pretty wild. Uh, anyway, there wouldn't be a movie without, but yeah. So yeah. boats crash. They both go flying through the air. They get into another fight. And... Archer Troy basically shoots Troy Archer with a harpoon gun as he's trying to cut off John Travolta's face, killing him, sort of crucifying him. The film ends with Sean Archer in the flesh returning to his family, and he brings Caster Troy's little son Adam, who's now parentless and alone, with him. Now, I found this very odd. This is one of the biggest points of contention I have with the movie, because this kid just survived a horrific shootout where the man who has now adopted him is trying to murder him and everybody else in the building. How do you explain to a five-year-old, like, oh, that wasn't me. You see, I had my face cut off and put on somebody else. I would say you don't actually see, like, at no point does Adam actually see that it is the face of John Travolta attempting to murder him. (laughs) Dude, does he? It's, it's faceless FBI goons. I mean, he's walking around in the middle of a giant gunfight. It's just yeah, so yeah, yeah. silly. I, listen, I but, get that. But, but at no point does Adam lock eyes with Ar- Troy as Archer. Yeah, well, that and he's got his uh, headphones on listening to Olivia Newton-John sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. So Could I they keep... not afford Brother Is? That's all I'm asking. No, they actually had problems getting the rights for that. So that's why they had Olivia Newton-John sing it. So we've come to the end of the movie. Now, along with your general reaction, I have a couple of questions before we uh, move on to our game for this evening. So, yes. Overall, what would you think of it? How do you think this would be reviewed today? Would it be a 92%? Oh, absolutely And not. lastly, 
is it still a great piece of action cinema? So general reaction, how does, how does this get looked at if it's released today? And does it still rank? Because this was like ranked as one of the greatest action movies of all time at one point in time. Chumzilla, so, what say you? I, I'm going to agree with Captain Cash. As he had previously stated in this, this pod, this is an excellent timepiece. This is not Die Hard. This is not a... You go back and you can see how this influenced so many other action films and how that drew out and is part of our cultural history. This is a really fucking weird thing that happened in the late 90s that that just hit a weird spot. It was in the right place at the right time and it made a lot of money and everybody saw it, but then did nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that, Chumzilla. It, this is a time capsule movie. It captures a moment, and it captures a moment in terms of its action tone and its sensibilities. Um, it's a late 90s action movie, and it might be like maybe the quintessential late 90s action movie in the sense that it's just like a lot of weird concepts that are taken to their extremes. And it's got two of the biggest stars of the era. You've got Nick Cage, you've got John Travolta, and this convoluted plot. But uh, to your point, it does not really hold up as a classic of the action genre. It's not a commando. It's not Predator. It's not Rambo. It's not Die Hard. Um, but it is a moment in time in 1997. And it does have the glorious benefit of being like peak Nick Cage weirdness before that became a meme. I like it, was, it was a hint of what was to come. It's it's the wooiest of John Woo movies. We've we said that before, and it kind of is also like I think even though it was well reviewed and it was a hit, uh, what does he do after this paycheck, which is pretty reined in and and not like I think people looked at this and were like. Oh my God, this is so weird. I don't, I don't quite get it. And if it comes out today, no, of course it doesn't work because the way Nicolas Cage is perceived now is drastically different than it was then. But I did ask this for a reason because they're apparently going to remake this, which I think is a cringeworthy thought because yes, this movie is certainly a, a piece of the era it came from, but that's what makes it awesome. I don't think yeah. you could you should redo this and it would be as cool as what this is. All the reasons it's batshit insane and zany and off the walls are the whole reason it's rewatchable. Because if it wasn't, it would be a forgettable action movie. Yeah, so I'll get meta here for a second, Mr. Wizard. Let's have a little, little introspection time here with Captain Cash. I think this movie, at its heart... And what John Woo was trying to do with it behind all of the, the gunplay and the action was that it's a movie about perspective. And what you have here is two individuals living wildly different lives that switch places. Okay, so back to my Freaky Friday joke. And by living life through another person's perspective, they gain knowledge and insight into their own lives and they see things differently and 
they evolve and grow because, hey, I have gained new perspective on my situation because I now see it from a different angle. And then when they return, you know, they they apply their learnings to their life. Now, in this case, Caster Troy doesn't get a chance to use his learnings. He's he's killed in the end of the film. But Sean Archer, he gets the benefit of walking on the wild side, learning what things look like and seem like, and also getting distance from his own situation, which is just as important. It's not just walking in somebody else's shoes. Sometimes it's getting distance from your own position. And now that he has that perspective, he comes back. And I, and I, I think there are moments in the film, um, namely one of my favorite jokes in the movie is when there's some conflict between, I think it's, uh, Archer Troy and his wife say, like, "Oh, you know, there's 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 deceit, there's suspicion. Oh, this is turning into a real marriage." You know, he's like, you know, he, he's saying with the emotional weight of the interpersonal relationship. He's like, even though I'm just pretending to be the husband, I'm I'm feeling the weight of these relationships, and there's some strain there, and dealing with the family and the daughter and all that too. Like, there's something to be said there. It's like, yeah, those you might be a criminal underlord or overlord or whatever, but there's still weight in these emotional relationships you have to carry. That is a, a burden as well. So anyway, it's a, it's a movie about perspective and you gain perspective by getting outside of your own head sometimes. And that I think could translate into a modern movie. If that's the angle they take, they could do something with that. Could you do this movie again with the wild insanity and the action scenes that we see? Probably not. It probably wouldn't translate as well. But I think the core concept of like, you know, a fish out of water uh, on each side is the Freaky Friday angle. You can pull it off. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. In the Atlantic 20-year uh, retrospective, this is just an excerpt. And I think they okay. really nail why... The movie is great, even though it would never translate. It, it would never be as well received today. Says, no. Despite the many action films that followed it, Face Off is a reasonable contender in the crowded contest for the best action movie of all time. Face Off is not, in the literary way, artful. It is great. It is great for precisely none of the reasons that a 21st century action flick might be called great. Its characters are cartoonishly flat. Its story is patently absurd. It's writing, and indeed the general attitude it adopts toward the English, English language as an institution pays preemptive homage to the Bravo school of unscripted dramas. The clock is ticking, and so is the bomb. One character informs another to set the stage for the events that will unfold in the film. And the line is exceedingly stupid and entirely straightforward and in that absolute perfect way. This movie is exceedingly stupid and entirely straightforward and... It's awesome to go back and watch it, but with movies like John Wick, 1, 2, and 3, things like that that have come out since, the gunplay would never hold up in comparison because it's so ridiculous. No. From a pure action standpoint, this movie does not hold up. The boat no. scene is incredible. Now, here's something I found very interesting. The first actors who were chosen to play Sean Archer and Caster Troy were none other than Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. John Woo did not want them. He wanted Travolta and Nicolas Cage. Is it a better movie with Arnie and Sly? No. 
No, it's not. Because Nicolas Cage acts his dick off. The only reason that they wanted... (laughs) The only reason that they wanted Arnold and Sylvester is because it was the two jack dudes from the 80s. This movie works because of the incredibly strong acting choices. Your other options are forcing, at some point, either Arnold Schwarzenegger to adopt Sylvester Stallone's voice or forcing Sylvester Stallone to do the Austrian accent. That would have been a shit show. Okay, well, let's first off acknowledge the obvious here. It was already a stretch because apparently John Travolta is six foot two. And uh, Nick Cage is only six foot, five eleven in shoes, probably. So their height uh, difference, two was, inch difference, two to that, three inch difference. That's what you're clinging to, not the wildly well, different no, hairline but, or body type. Or no, they, hairline they, is they, is offensive no. when Travolta has longer hair than he went under with. Yeah, they address the hairline stuff with the laser plugs or whatever. And they, but they, they make, don't do it in reverse. No, yeah. and, and and then make the argument, too, that their height is negligible because they list, in the in the movie, they list a, a cage at 6'1 versus Travolta 6'2. But uh, Arnold is like 6'2, and I think Sly is like 5'10 tops. Not even. Yeah, so that five eight probably that yeah. that's going to be a stretch. But here, what is really interesting is those weren't the only two actors considered because this was a two actor deal, right? That it was a package deal. So so get this, man. This this is absolutely nuts. All right, you've got Arnold and Sly, you've got Harrison Ford and Michael Douglas. Okay, FYI, Michael Douglas hung on to this project as a producer. Yep. Weird. Bruce Willis and Alec Baldwin. Oh, God. <laughs> that would have been weird. Pacino and De Niro. Oh, that would have worked. That would have worked. That would have been a totally different movie. Yeah. It would have. It would have worked. worked. Different movie. And then Van Damme and Steven Seagal. That is the movie I want to see. Right okay. Here. Captain Cash wants to see the Van Damme Seagal I... face off. I would only accept that if you let Van Damme play Caster Troy. Obviously. Because Van in that pairing, Van Damme is the only one that can go wild enough to go, I hate my own face. Uh, this has to come off of my head. Trumpzilla, I'm with you 100% on that. Uh, Seagal is clearly the worst choice. Seagal, as I've said many times, sucks and he shit his pants. Seagal. When he got choked Seagal, out by Judo Gene. Seagal in Seagal, real Seagal life. Is, Seagal is Fred Dukes in real life. Frank Dukes. Seagal. Yes, he is. Fred Dukes, Seagal. Frank Dukes. Yeah, Frank. Whatever. Seagal in real life is the first five minutes of the character John Travolta is attempting to play in this film. No. Okay. Seagal is no? Danny Masterson's character's hero. Didn't he? Didn't he have like a? Captain Cash or, approves of that comment. Didn't he have an indentured <laughs> sex servant? They got busted for. Yeah, I thought. Uh, it. Yes, the Church That's of Scientology. Why... That didn't happen. As Chumzilla, I I don't believe that was an indentured servant because I certainly don't have one of those in my closet. 
And oh god. And she wasn't indentured. She was just a servant. Anyways, uh, the Michael Douglas thing. If he plays Charles Remington, he fits right into this movie. I. That's the thing that blew my mind. This is one year off. He's the producer on both of those films, and was like, you know what? No, no, no. Put me into Ghost in the Darkness, but I don't need to be part of Face Off. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Face Off seems like a lot more fun. And to your original point, Captain Cash, no, Arnold or Sly could not handle the insanity of this movie. Now, I have two very quick last second questions. Best action scene in the film, one sentence. Okay, uh, Captain Cash here chiming in. For me, hands down, because it's the most realistic, it's the most exciting. <laughs> There's no realistic action scenes in this movie. Yes, there is. And it's probably the most expensive. It's that opening scene, man. That, that airport scene sets the tone. Yes, that is it. The rest of the movie gets a little weird and flaky. But that opening scene, it pulls you in. I love it. It's all downhill from there. We need to teach you what one sentence is. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you. As Trumpzilla, it is the boat. The boat, the boat, the boat. Yes, 100% the boat. I said it before. I agree. Now, this is the most important question. Who is the better caster, Troy? Is Nicolas Cage the better caster, Troy? Or is Johnny T? That is an easy answer. Nicolas Cage carries this fucking film. Uh, listen, John Travolta Trump has... Zilla, you're full of shit. Trump, yeah, listen, listen. Captain Cash, Trump, I respect... Trump Zilla, you were out of your element. You're out of your element here. I respect... It is clearly, it is clearly Travolta. I respect your opinion, but the reality is... Travolta is simply having fun being Caster Troy. He's just going over the, I get to be the bad guy. <laughs> Whereas Nick Cage is making acting choices going, okay, where's this guy's head at? What's the fucking crazy thing he's going to do? And you get and the best part is you get to watch Nick Cage go, okay, I'm John Travolta being my character Caster Troy being the character who is Archer being me. How over the top can I go? Here's where I go. Chumpzilla, I'm going to cut you off right there. I appreciate what you're saying. And yes, Nick Cage does have fun in the role, but John Travolta kills it. Period. John Travolta has fun. Nick Cage kills it. No, it's Travolta wins. And here's the single reason why. He gets the lion's share of the movie to be the better character. He's having fun for more of the movie. He's relishing it. It's brilliant. We see uh, shades of a future Charlie Wax in there. I love John Fuck Travolta yeah. in this movie. Now, that's not to take anything away from Nick Cage. He just had less time to be the flamboyant bad guy who didn't give a shit about anything. And that's Hard really the more fun role. Does Nick Cage do a great job in the opening part of that airplane scene being a manic weirdo? Yes. You just proved my point, though. That's the whole thing with this. Nick Cage got the harder job, and you don't remember, like, where's the meme of John Travolta's face as the bad guy? It doesn't exist. It's Nick Cage's face 100% of the time. 
this is Nick Cage's movie. That's just because Travolta's more subdued, not as apt to weird Did faces. Did you miss when Travolta grabs the secretary's butt and does the exact same face perfectly? Yeah, he's super weird in this movie, but you're right. His face doesn't emote the same way. And that's a purely forget face off. That's just a Nick Cage thing. That weird face emote, that's just a skill he has. Yep. It okay. Has, anyway, moving we're, on. We're going to take a quick break. I think it is debatable, and I don't think anybody's actually wrong in no, who you think did no, a better job. No, we're not. We're not. It's uh, not. That's, that's the best part about this movie, is that... It's it arguable. It doesn't matter what you think. It's, it's fucking fun no matter what. Cage, Travolta, it's weird. We're going to take, take a quick break. When we come back, we do have a series of films, because both of these legendary actors went on to do many, many B-movies. And it is Cage Travolta or Wizard, you made that shit up. Hello and welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops for our big face-off episodes. Mayor McCheese is uh, in a medically induced coma, having his face <laughs> removed to look more like Chumpzilla. So he is not going to participate in our trivia challenge, but we are welcoming Mrs. McCheese to this game. <laughs> which is Cage, Travolta, or Wizard, you made that shit up. Woo! So what I'm going to do is I'm going to list an obscure film from either of their filmographies, and you must determine which actor starred in it. Now, as a curveball, some of the titles are total fabrications. To buzz in, you have to say, Wee! What a predicament! Which is Travolta's line in the church, and also, one of the reasons he owns this movie, Captain Cash. No, Chumpzilla. You guys switch faces. Are you ready? Whatever. I'll take that as a yes. Number one, I am Wrath. Woo! What a predicament. Okay, Captain Cash. Travolta. Correct. Damn. One nothing, Captain Cash. Number two, The Poison Rose. <laughs> Woo! What a predicament. Chumpzilla. You made that bullshit up. I did not. Woo! Fuck. Mrs. McCheese. It's Cage. Incorrect. Oh, Leaving damn. the point for... We just handed it to her. Captain Cash. Travolta! It is Travolta, the Woo. poison rose. That Two one apparently is actually good. Captain Cash. Uh, number three. Vengeance, a love story. Woo! What a predicament. I want a little Nick. more enthusiasm on that line from you. What a predicament. Okay, yes. Nick Cage? Correct. So it is now yes. two to one, Captain Cash, Mrs. McCheese. You got to pick this up. Number four, Blood, Bangkok, and Bullets. Woo! Fuck. Nick Cage. Incorrect. Fuck. Woo! What a predicament. Chumpzilla. Travolta? Incorrect. Fuck me. <laughs> you made that up. Mrs. McCheese. <laughs> you made it up. <laughs> it is a wizard fabrication. Nicholas By Cage. process of elimination. That is how I'm going to win this game, guys. Yeah. Cage is in a movie called Bangkok Dangerous. Cage. Oh, that's what oh, I was doing oh, wrong. Fuck, yeah, yeah, Son fuck of a you. Bitch. Fuck you. Num- right. Number five, Life on the Line. Oh, that's a real one. Life on the Line. I bet Danny Masterson's in that movie. (laughs) 
anybody. It is a no real movie. That's the hint. And it's about a guy I, who is a electric I've my life one repairman. Quarter mile at a time. Woo! What a predicament. This is McCheese. Travolta. It is Travolta. Johnny T. As oh, shit. The, uh, power line repairman. Life on the line. Oh, yeah. So it is now two for Mrs. McCheese, two for Captain Cash, and one for Chumpzilla. Number six, a score to settle. Uh, whatever. Uh, woo! Uh, nobody. That's a fake one. Incorrect. Fuck. Woo! What a predicament. Uh, Chumpzilla, that's the one you are today, right? Yeah. Travolta. Incorrect. Damn it. Woo! What a predicament. Mrs. McCheese. Cage. It is Nick Cage. A score to settle. You notice the theme with these terrible titles? They're just so like ambiguous and clearly straight to DVD <laughs> movies. I thought that one was fake for sure. Number seven, The Devil's Reign. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Uh, Captain Cash. Nick Cage. Incorrect. Woo! What a predicament. Uh, McCheese. Oh, uh, Travolta. Correct. Man, she's just wasting you guys. You're, you, what, 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 you know, somebody get the Mary cheese back on the line here. This is not fair. Yeah, he would definitely have zero right now. Yeah, the missus worked in the missus worked in TV and movies for yeah. a while, guys. It's four You're to two. Us here. This is not fun. I, I have stopped having fun. I mean, the best that Chumzilla <laughs> can do is, is tie. Bro, number eight, criminal activities. <laughs> I mean, every weekend. <laughs> no, activities. no. I'm an upstanding citizen in the suburbs. I don't do that anymore. Cage or Travolta or Wizard, you made that shit up. You know what? I'm going to go, uh, woo, what a predicament. Wizard, you made that shit up. That's in- not a real movie. Incorrect. It is real. What? How come none of these are fake? I want a fake one. None of them are woo, fake. What a predicament. Uh, Chubb's up. Travolta. Correct. Ah, Johnny Travolta, balls. Criminal Activities. So it is now four to two to two. Uh, the best either of you can do is tie. Uh, number nine, pedal to the metal. Woo, what a predicament. Chumpzilla. Travolta? Incorrect. Damn Woo, it. what a predicament. Captain fake. Cash. It is a wizard fabrication. That is a fake movie. <laughs> Finally. Because trade, trade and Paint is the John Travolta racing car movie. Yeah, four to three to two. <laughs> Uh, and also, Speed Not Kills is his Speedboat movie. Speedboat, yeah, I knew that from the obviously he had, uh, gotten some work in in speedboats through this movie. Number ten and the last one, guttural moans. <laughs> Woo! What a predicament. Uh, Chumzilla. False. Not a thing. That's not a thing. And I I named that movie simply because Nicolas Cage moans incessantly throughout this movie. He does. And that's how Guttural Moves became a movie title. So the winner, and Folding Laundry, and she basted you two clowns, is Mrs. McCheese. Damn. Mrs. McCheese. Congratulations. That is a big win. And you know what you win? You win John Travolta's rubber face. Congrats. Just what I've always wanted. That's a big win. I'm going to have it shipped to you. You've got it on on his face, on your face. Yeah, that if I can find wonderful. the uh, if I can find the rubber body they made of uh, John Travolta, which does exist, you can keep it. <laughs> sure, I'll send that along as well. Because <laughs> 
Because I, as Captain Cash, would love to keep it for research purposes. Oh, God. So that ends our game. All we got left is uh, some quick recommendations. So Um, let's keep Mrs. McCheese on. She probably watches better movies than her husband, who has forced his poor family to watch Dante's Peak and Face Off. Like like two weeks in a row. We're so sorry. Truth. Not just his family, but his my family. His in laws. Yeah. Yeah. He's not ingratiating himself at all. <laughs> do, do, do they question your life choices after those movies you make them watch? Or like, are they like are are like honey, honey? What's wrong? Is everything okay? Like, do do you need better movies to watch? We can get you cable. Do you need cable? Like HBO? Uh, what do you need? Anything. Sometimes, but mostly they just humor him. I mean, considering he he like basically came on here and told us how hard he tried to convince you guys that Dante's Peak was a good movie. <laughs> Holy crap, that was terrible. He worked really hard to try to convince us. But no, oh, no let's, let's not. Bless him. Words here, though. Pierce Brosnan is pretty handsome. Oh yeah, he is very. He's handsome. very handsome. square jaw. I got that nice chest hair thing, plume coming up. You know. He's very handsome. That movie? Yeah. He's no Val Might have Kilmer. been really good in the 90s. He's no Once. Val Kilmer. Okay, Captain Cash, why don't you lead us off? Recommendation for the week. Okay, well, uh, I like bad horror movies. And somehow I stumbled upon this one. And it is entertaining, to say the least. Uh, Ginger Snaps. <laughs> it's, it, never it, heard it's of it. a, you never heard of it? I don't think so. No, I have. Chumpzilla? Yeah, no, no, I have. It's a Canadian production. It's basically a werewolf movie, um, but it's got like a redhead theme thing into it. It just, it's very '90s, much like uh, this movie. It's very, it's got those like mid '90s sensibilities in a way that only the mid '90s could have. So. Much like only a movie <clears throat> like Face Off could succeed in that era, Ginger Snaps works as a horror movie in the mid to late 90s. So it was on Amazon Prime. Um, I checked it out. It was pretty cool. And it's fun. Chumpzilla. I've never said this before, but I agree with Captain Cash. Uh, the Harley Quinn show on DC Universe is great. It's probably moving to uh, HBO Max. It's worth your time. Check it out. Oh, my God. You are the worst. What Holy do you shit. do all Chump day Zilla, besides recommend shit, the dude. same thing? Chumzilla, you're a clown. I've never recommended it before. It seems reasonable that I'd recommend it now. I can't believe we share the same pod. You, got, you know what? Captain Cash, you have recommended this on multiple occasions. I hope somebody reports your eBay store for fraud. You're a fraud, sir. Uh, Mrs. McCheese, please redeem this recommendation section from. Mr. Oh, I'm not really sure what the parameters are, but the only movie I'll ever recommend is The Departed. Okay, well, that's a way better recommendation than Chumpzilla recommending the same thing he did the other week. <laughs> Fuck you, Ginger Snaps is awesome. No, you're Captain Cash tonight. Remember, you guys swapped faces. You took each other. Can't even faces. keep it. You faced off. off. The Departed. I like that. That's good. If you haven't seen The Departed, it's great. Jack Nicholson is great <laughs> in it. DiCaprio is also great in it. 
and several other people are great at it, such as Alec Baldwin. I could also re- recommend a handful of um, rom-coms if you're interested in that, but um, yes, I'm guessing please. that's not really in line with the Dante's uh, no, Peak and no, the... No, no. Uh, Help us out. We, this is quarantine period. We're in a weird spot. We need all the help you can give us. Um, we, could I recommend a TV show? Others. Yeah, please. Oh, if you haven't seen Netflix's Too Hot to Handle, it may be the <laughs> wait, best wait, wait, show. Wait, what's that? What's that? Oh, my God. Okay. So it is a bunch of people who are convinced that they are going to like a uh, sex crazed retreat. And then 12 hours in, they're told they're not allowed to have sex with anyone. And they're like able to win 100 grand. And if they kiss or do anything sexual with anyone else in the retreat, they lose money. And it How is much? Amazing. All of it or? Everything is worth it. Like, everything has a value like, play. Like, so kissing is three grand. This is a thing. Oh, it's on Netflix and it is amazing. Uh, how much do you lose for recommending the same thing two weeks in a row? Everything. Because, yeah, I think yeah. we should lose, lose all, all I, 100 listen. grand on Sex Crazed Island. <laughs> Last <laughs> week, I, as Chumzilla, did not recommend that, that thing. So, we thank uh, Mrs. McCheese for filling in for her... Uh, that was pretty cool. ...husband, Mr. McCheese, who soon will have a brand new face. So, we wish him best of luck with that procedure. Uh, I have a couple of recommendations. One, Nicolas Cage movie, because I love Nicolas Cage, and he's great in this movie, as we've talked about. And I'm recommending Valley Girl, because like Face Off, which is apparently getting remade, they remade Valley Girl, which I took very serious umbrage with. Valley Girl is great. There was no reason to remake it. It has a fantastic soundtrack. It is a movie about a guy from Hollywood who hooks up with a girl from the Valley. It's your typical 80s rom-com, and he's great in it. My second recommendation is a film about swapping faces. It's Dark Man, a Sam Raimi-directed movie that is a pseudo-comic booky movie. He basically made up a character because he couldn't get the rights to The Shadow and I think another character to make a movie. Liam Neeson's in it. It's awesome. And it is all about swapping faces, although these faces are not from somebody else, but they are somebody else. It's a lot of fun. It's typical Sam Raimi stuff. You'll probably enjoy it if you enjoy this pod. So I'll leave you with this, good listeners. To paraphrase the great caster Troy, if you're still not having any fun, find ways to contribute. Keep yourself busy. Enjoy this time with your loved ones. I tried to find a funnier quote, but honestly, you know what? Make the best of this time. That's all I can, that's the best advice that I can give you. We'll see you next time for which Nicolas Cage movie? Because this is Summer Rage with Nicolas Cage. Is it Vampire's Kiss? I think it is. It's got to be Vampire's Kiss. Yes, where Chumzilla will be back in his own body talking about another 80s Nicolas Cage classic, Vampire's Kiss. With that, we will all be taking our faces off, resting them right next to our beds, and calling it a night.